we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Pow! What the fuck? Number WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking knots? What the fucksicans? What the fuckapinos? What the fucking ucks? Whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves. What the fuckstables? All right, that's enough. I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. What the fuck with Mark Marin? That is me. All right, there we go. How are you? Can I just keep delivering things like this in this tone of voice? Is that Jewy? Are we? Is this a Jewy thing to do? How are you? Ah, so easily can I drift into that. We could talk about that, but let me, you know what? I'm being rude. How are you doing? Is everything okay with you? Are we good? I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for asking the Jew thing. Today's a good day to talk about the Jew thing, kind of. Yeah, why not? Arise Barr is my guest today. For those of you who listen to the old show, the Mark Marin show and its brief life here on uh, KTLK, she played uh, Svetlana, Svetlana the Russian prostitute, and now she has a web series which can be found at www.svetlanasworld.com, S-V-E-T-L-A-N-A-S-world.com, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on HDNet. Yeah, you can get the uh, the dirty version at the uh, website I just gave you. But she's very talented, uh, an amazing comedic actress, and a Jew. Uh, very much so a Jew, and I need to talk to her about that, because she did a show that I saw in Edinburgh years ago. It was the only fun thing or or and or great thing that i saw there a one woman show where she played several characters it was in a i believe it was a cafe in tel aviv or jerusalem i can't remember i'll ask her and she played all these different characters she played a a, a young american jew she played a, an older jew she played a, a mother waiting for her son she played a, it, it the whole show takes place just before a suicide bomber blows himself up in this cafe. And she played all the characters, including the terrorist. And it was powerful, man. I mean, it was fucking powerful. Uh, I believe that she did the show at the United Nations. I will talk to her about this. I don't really always know how to talk about the Middle East, but she is uh, was on her way to Israel the last time I talked to her. And... Well, it's it's a way to talk about it. Because look, you know, as a Jew, I'm an American Jew. I'm in I'm a, I'm in cultured. Is that the word? In cultured Jewish. You know, I believe that I have Jewiness in me. I believe I know other Jews. Uh, I believe there's a unity to Jews. I'm not saying it's exclusive or that we're special or anything else. I have not experienced a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism. I've discussed the Arby's incident on this show before the uh, horrendous Arby sauce incident, as it will be known from here on out, the Arby's incident, I think. I did experience some uh, anti-Semitism at uh, summer camp when I was a kid. I went to sort of a cowboy summer camp, and I believe a guy named Mike, Mike, I, I, I think I even know his last name, Oklahoma kid, uh, really thought that we had horns, and I was sorry to disappoint him. But I do have a certain sense, I think I do, uh, about who's a Jew, who isn't a Jew, what is Jewy, what isn't Jewy. Weird thing happened. I'll tell you what happened because it happened today. I, I'm i trying to be a, a neighborhood guy. You know, I'm, I, I'm trying to, it seems like my neighborhood, something's happening in my neighborhood. Uh, it, it seems that there are businesses popping up. I, I like to go down to Cafe de Leche. 
uh, talked to uh, Matt and Anja. They own that place, and it's a great coffee shop. And I go there in the morning to meet my buddy Steve once a week to talk shit, and the place is packed. It's filled with people of all kinds, uh, hipsters, Latinos from the neighborhood, uh, people that look like they live in their truck, uh, you know, the standard sort of uh, array of people. And I've been driving down past this place on York called the Society of Spectacle for about five years now. Since I've lived here, let's make it seven years. I've never walked into the place. Eyeglass store. I figure, what can an eyeglass store have in Highland Park? And I had gone to Oliver Peoples in Hollywood because they had a sale. So I bought some new frames. So I needed to know where I could get my eyes examined uh, to get a new prescription. So I went into Society of Spectacle. And they had every frame, beautiful fucking store in Highland Park. I'm thinking, what are you kidding me? And I didn't want to buy there. I felt bad that I already bought the frames, but I needed a reference for an optometrist to get my eyes done, hoping uh, to find a neighborhood dude. So I asked a woman there, and she had a a picture of Maria Bamford up in the store with her CDs. Maria Bamford, also a neighborhood gal. Highland Park, shout out here in the house, whatever. So I said, you know an optometrist? She goes, yeah, there's a guy right down on New York. So I I put his card in my uh, wallet, and today I went down there, and I'd been driving by this place every day of my life that I'm in town for the past seven years. A big hand-painted sign, optometrist. Never thought to go in there. Never thought, maybe it was a little prejudice. I figure hand-painted sign, not for me. It's a nice hand-painted sign, but she told me this guy's groovy. This guy's cool. Go see him, all right? Go see Dr. Elliot Kane. He's a trumpet player. And I'm like, all right, all right everyone's got a story. So today I go in there to get my uh, eyes checked. And sure enough, this guy's got old jazz records all over the office. Uh, not not laying out uh, as if he's in the middle of playing them, but put up on the wall like oldies. Can't remember the titles right now. So the dude calls me in and he looks, he's probably in his early 60s. And he, I'm not going to say he looks Jewy because that's wrong. But I was wondering, first name Elliot, second name Kane. That didn't sound too, uh, too Jewy to me. But we sit down, and he asked me what I did. I said, I'm a comic. He said, yeah, I love comedians, man. I mean, they swing, you know. And he's talking with that thing, you know, like my mother's boyfriend talks with that kind of groovy 60s slang hep talk. And I'm like, uh, right on. He goes, yeah, look, I wanted to be a comic. I do a little of that myself. In my other life, I'm a, you know, I have a, I'm a jazz musician. I'm a trumpeter. Play trumpet. And I go, that sounds cool. He goes, yeah, man, I tell you, when I was younger, you know, uh, listen to those Lenny Bruce records, changed my life, changed my life. And I'm like, Wow. Uh, I go, where are you from? He goes, well, I grew up in Indiana and uh, went to school in Indiana when I got into the jazz thing. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I actually got to have uh, lunch with Sally Marr, Lenny Bruce's mom. I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar with Sally Marr. And he tells this long story about someone he met at a gig who knew uh, Sally Marr. He started talking about Lenny. He started dropping words like hip and habit, you know, instead of uh, strung out or a junkie. Yeah, he had a habit. He said, yeah, when I was younger, my dad owned a pharmacy. And it's interesting because there used to be these black winos used to hang around at the pharmacy. But because they knew my dad, because of that neighborhood, they spoke Yiddish pretty good. And I'm thinking, really? I said, really? They spoke Yiddish? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. So there was that. There was that Jew thing. There was that Jew thing in Indianapolis. There was a Jew thing in Indianapolis. Is This guy had brought to Highland Park, this jazz trumpeter who's now my optometrist, saying things like, is it better now? How about now? Is it better now? How about now? And this guy's got this whole life. This guy's got this whole life. You know, we're talking jazz. We're, we're talking black dudes that can speak Yiddish. We're talking his dad owning a small pharmacy in Indianapolis uh, that was gone now. The building was gone. And then as I'm walking out, he gives me his, his CD, Hippie Chicks on Acid, the Elliot Kane Sextet, live at Alva's. 
Now I got this guy with this whole backstory, and I'm thinking, why the hell didn't I have the mics? Who the hell knew that I'd go to an optometrist that I automatically thought was some sort of ghetto business, some sort of a barrio operation because of a hand-painted sign to meet this interesting dude who had lunch with Sally Marr, sat in with some big session dudes, got his, his jazz CD, played it. It, it, it grooves, it's bebop, it's real shit. This whole backstory, this guy's an optometrist in my neighborhood. I don't know why that amazes me. And then the Jewish connection, you know, the whole Yiddish thing. Then I all of a sudden started thinking, like, are there Jews in Indianapolis? I guess there were Jews that went, might have migrated there during the great Jewish migration to Indianapolis. I know there are Midwestern Jews. And then all of a sudden I feel this weird Jewish connection. But the weird thing about my Jewish thing is I never felt that thing when I went to Israel. I mean, I spent two weeks in Israel and it was, it was horribly frightening to me. It's hard for me to understand the nuances of the politics there. I know it's a powder keg. I, I, I still don't really know how to talk about it because you're brought up as a middle-class Jew. Israel is the end-all be-all. Israel is it. And then I got there and I'm like, I, I, I'm nervous and I don't know what the hell is going to happen. And I, and I can't, I don't seem to have good Judah in Israel. Is everybody Jewish or, or uh, how come I don't uh, like Israelis that much? And, and I get uncomfortable. I don't know what the solution is. The Israelis treat the Palestinians pretty badly, obviously, horrendous. Then there's the other side of it where Israel has to you know, maintain its statehood because it fought for it. And it's a little piece of land in between all these Arab countries that want to see it killed. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to have the conversation, and it's, it's, I get nervous having the conversation. So I'm hoping with Reese here that we can maybe talk about that a little bit. Am I being too Jewy? I'm, I'm definitely... You know, I come from American deli Jews. I, I don't come from uh, Israeli uh, fighting Jews. Deli Jews, math Jews. That's what I come from. Of course, I know you from your work on Curb you, Your Enthusiasm. I, I used to do character work with you. Yes, well, Svetlana was born on your show. We invented it? No, no, no. She was roaming the streets. But um, you know. But that was her debut? Yeah, the Svetlana, the, the Russian media debut. Yeah. The Russian prostitute? Exactly. Russian the Jewish? Well, no, no, she's not Jewish. That way I can make fun of Jews, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a little more risque when So, have... uh in in my uh in my garage right now, Arise Bar, who is a uh a Jew. <laughs> Jewess and a an actress that you may have seen uh, as the uh, orthodox uh, girl on Curb Your Enthusiasm was it, was it, did you go on a date with Larry? What no, was no, that? no. I was stuck on a ski lift with Larry. That was oh, that was the whole episode, right? And then I get a boob job an episode later. Okay, yeah, you've all you were also the the one of the women in the Cable Guy movie. Yeah, Larry the Cable Guy health inspector. That was a big part, though. Yeah, I was a lead with him. It was me and him. And you thought? Did you think at that time this is it? No, I never think this is it. I mean, really? Is anything it, you know? You, you've really been able to not think that? Yeah, you hope it. You don't think it. Oh, okay. That's always fun. There's a difference. Yeah, of course. You pretend to not be disappointed. You're like, well, I didn't expect it anyway. So the first time, I can't even remember how we met. Can you? Um, I think we met at, I don't know how we met. Like we met I, at Home Depot? Was it, I mean, it was probably, I was with Mishnah maybe. Yeah, did you know you her? Were, no, and, no. But I mean, I don't remember how don't it remember became either. this thing where you did these characters on my show, and I believe I know. And then you... he was like, "Oh, I, oh, I think maybe you came to see my one woman show." No, I didn't see that until I was in Scotland. That's weird. I don't like know. you were just sort of like I do characters, and I'm like, "Okay, come do a character." And then what do you got? Yeah. 
And then Svetlana was born. People yeah. love that, though. People yeah. asked me about Svetlana. And then I had, you know, after that, I got a gig on uh, on NPR. And then I was too dirty and they took me off. What was the gig on NPR? It was Svetlana doing like two minute political commentary. But, you know, it was during all. And, you know, she's dirty. She's a whore. Right. So I talk about, you know, vibrators and Ahmadinejad. And they yeah. put me on during all things considered. So they'd be like. You know, savage genocide in Rwanda, and now Svetlana. I'm like, hello. You know, and it just yeah. didn't mesh. So I think some older, older listeners took offense. You mean so. all their listeners took offense? Probably, yes. They, Everybody that doesn't have sex took offense. What are they going to do to try to get people to uh, not see that that NPR is this like old people thing? So yeah, so they it's pretty tricky. much uh, they pretty much said, you know, take your whoring elsewhere. And that was it. Well, yeah, it was pretty much it for for NPR. How many segments did you do with NPR? I don't know. I did a bunch. It was a couple months, and it's a. I mean, writing a tight two minute. Oh, yeah. Is much more challenging than rambling on aimlessly. Sure, riffing. I mean? Yeah. Riffing, I mean, yeah. exactly. Putting it together the where the jokes are, are there. It's all sculpted uh -huh. and tight. And I talk fast, so I think that also a lot of the people over over 40. Yeah. I'm kidding. So, yeah. all right. So, <laughs> now the, the, the interesting thing about you, um, one of the many things is, is that you're going to Israel. The, like, you're one of the few people I know that I call and you're like, I'm going to Israel for a month. If anyone else would say that <laughs> to me, I'd be like, why would you do that? But you come from there. Well, I lived there. I, I mean, I was born in New York, but when I was 13, I moved there. Um, and I've been, I lived there till I, I did the army the whole thing, and then I came back. Do you here. look at it like that? Like, I did the thing, I did the army, I had to you do it. You do the like, thing. I mean, yeah, you do the thing. It's what, not. Your, your parents are there? My mom is there. Uh huh. Some cousins. Yeah. You know. So, so what, how old were you when you go into the Israeli army? 18, right after high school. So you were, okay, so you're 13, you moved there. Yes. You were bat mitzvah in Israel? I was bat mitzvah in the Bronx. In the Bronx, and then you go to Israel. Got the checks. Yeah. Yeah, and then- Why, would they, why would they go, why, well, that's a silly My question. parents are Israeli. Okay. And they, got, they had a horrible divorce, and then suddenly mom's like, we're going back to the motherland, and then she took me there with her. And as an American citizen, though, you, I mean, you, you still had to go into the army? Uh, well, I'm a, a dual citizen, okay. and you kind of want to. When everybody else is going, you're like, this. You know, it's one of the things. Like, this will be cool, and then after a week, you're like, this is not cool. You, you get a I gun, mean? an outfit. I had, yeah, Uzi, the uniform. You know what I mean? Makes your ass look good. Yeah. And um, and it's fun for you know basic training. Like, ah, oh, this is so. I'm cool. healthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I always got in trouble. I was not a good uh, no? trainee. No, because you kind of have to wait till they give you an order that you can eat. And I would always be so fucking hungry. Can I say? Sure, okay. you can say whatever you okay. want. Okay. Anyway, and I would always start eating, so they made me run laps at night. And I couldn't go to bed when everybody went to bed. I mean, I was not because I was rowdy and undisciplined, just because I was hungry. Yeah. I didn't want to wait. I just like, for me, the idea of going into the army, especially in the Israeli army, where, you know, the possibilities at that time of seeing action yes. were relatively good as just something you, you do is horrifying. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to be honest. I, you know, I wasn't in combat. I, right. I pretend I was. It makes it sound better. Oh, but, do you? Well, no. I mean, if you if you want to sleep with a guy, you're like, you know, yeah, yeah. And then you plug up the Uzi thing. But literally, yeah. I was at a base about nine minutes from my house. <laughs> I was um, working night shifts at a bar at the same time. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't this like enveloping military experience. Right. But was that part of the thing in Israel that you can have a job and you? Know, well, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, you're not supposed to have a job. But right. I worked night shifts. I was in intelligence, so I'd be alone in a room listening to stuff. And then I had a night off or a day off, and then I'd end up working at a bar in Tel Aviv. What do you mean, listening to stuff? Well, I can't talk about that. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. sworn to secrecy for real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens if you talk about it? Do you get taken in? Probably they... nothing, but I think I feel more important if I think something did, would happen. Do you know right. what I mean? They'd fly over. and I mean, this was a while ago, so everything I've, you know. Everything you know is, is all like... defunct. Oh, really? Probably. Yeah. Not that much has changed, really, when you think about it. So when you go back to Israel, what do you do? Like to me, like I went to Israel as a Jew that didn't yes. care, right? That much, like it's not that I don't care about Israel, but there's this idea that was plowed into middle class Jews in this country. 
who, yeah. uh, that uh, that Israel was, you know, essential to all of us. I mean, I, I understand that. But when I went, I didn't have some monumental, right. like, I belong here moment. Well, you ha- you know, it's so- Tel Aviv is, is possibly the most secular decadent city it's like rio with jews i mean it's yeah. insane yeah well that you see that just went from fun to oh well, it's like rio, rio with jews. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah but you know but horny horny jews sure so, i know i get it festive. aggressive horny and, jews you know exactly yeah um fighting in the bedroom yeah is yeah. that where during you... intercourse oh absolutely, absolutely. is that it yeah is that's all you got do me you fight yeah so yeah. but you know then you have the american jews that come on these kind of you know well, listen to this white condescension. I hear it. No, 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 no. The, the American Jews. No, no, Jewish I don't mean people. that. We wouldn't exist without the American Jews. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but they come in with the, the T-shirts and the Project Homeland or whatever. Right. And they're the gung-ho. You know what I mean? So it's a discrepancy. There's a very strong discrepancy between the Israelis that live there that are kind of jaded and, and Well, know. I was fascinated with the history of all the different religions and cultures that came through Israel. And I, you know, and I, I was fascinated with Jerusalem. You know, Tel Aviv, I didn't really get a sense of. I wasn't there that long. Right. But I like traveling. I like seeing the, the biblical, you know, monuments. And I like seeing the history of, uh, of Israel and also the amazing... Uh, things that the settlers did with that country i mean they made a desert into a agricultural a center yes it's true it's fucking yeah. amazing no it is amazing that you know, half the flowers in the world come from there yeah. from israel from a desert right and that you know they have produce <laughs> <laughs> they grow they they, have citrus yes they move water uh, around yeah, they do. there's aqueducts i mean it's you did know, you do a kibbutz intense. too or do you, once you do the army you don't have to do a kibbutz uh, you know you don't i mean the kibbutz is now also defunct i slept with guys from kibbutzim i had like a kibbutz fetish when i first moved to israel <laughs> It felt very exotic to me. You know what I mean? It's like going yeah. to the Midwest and sleeping with like a farm boy. And I was this, you know, this what girl is from the Bronx. And I'd be like, oh, my God. And these guys, they'd never been out to the kibbutz. They didn't even know where New York was. And I'm like, this is so hot. What was the kibbutz? Like, if people don't know, because this is a rare opportunity for me to talk uh, about Israel uh, without taking any real risks. Because <laughs> I'm here? <laughs> yes. So I would take the risk? Okay. Well, no, you would I'd take the risk. Right. I mean, uh, it, no, it's it's just a matter of I don't really know how to talk about it. As right. a Jew, uh, you know, if you even you know engage in the conversation of Israel, it's a risk. You, know, you feel like, oh, here right. we go. What's gonna, where are we going to Where is this going to go? Yeah, well, I don't want to say. I think the problem is that you have the, the two categories of American Jews. You have the ones that Israel can do no wrong. And let's right. donate millions of dollars. Then you have the ones that are like, I'm embarrassed to be a Jew. You know, I'm embarrassed to be connected right, to Israel. Just, yeah, the and, first group being the Republicans. You know, now. calling them Republican you know, Jews. Yes, Republican. Well, not all, but I mean, you know, it's it's well, okay, fine, Republican Jews. But then you have the others that are hypercritical because you know what I mean. Israel can do no right. Right. So the, that, Israel is Sparta, and they know, they're hurting. They're Nazis all over again, like right. the other extreme, and it's frustrating for me because you know. Every both groups give you know logical, reasonable people a bad name. It's well, very hard to find a middle of the road. Going okay, well we can critique some behaviors. Well, that, that's and some be- behaviors are okay. That's because there is no middle of the road in Israel. Well, yeah. No, there, uh, there are two sides yelling at each other, right. and somehow or another, the well, country survives. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But let's get back to this kibbutz idea mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean I'm, I'm not really completely clear. the kibbutz was uh, an actual state. Funded or or it was an actual movement. It was to, a movement, yes. To to uh, to make Israel an agricultural center. That the kibbutzes they call what did Woody Allen call them? socialist summer camp. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, it's communal communal living. Um, and you know they would uh, that was yeah when they started the kibbutz movement started a, a while in a long time. But ago. that be that sort of became was a predecessor to settlements in a way. Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think, I think settlements, you mean like modern day, like West Bank settlements? Well, I just mean that was the kibbutz like really put into place, like here's a big chunk of land 
that has not been, you know, turned over. You know, we're going to put a kibbutz here and we're going to make this land right. work. Well, I think that when they came, a lot of the, you know, the kibbutzim back in the early, you know, in 1900s even, there was all swampland. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much like, okay, we're going to occupy this part and fuck everybody that lives here. And you know what I mean? No, right, it's not right, the, right. It's not the mentality. It was much more idealistic. And a lot of the people got along with the Arab neighbors that were there. I mean, it was a little more idealistic at the right. time. People really worked the land and it right. was definitely the social, you know, socialist yeah. idealists. Um, and that worked well for many generations. And, you know, you had kibbutzim that did better and worse. You had rich kibbutzim. Sure. And not so I remember rich. visiting them. And yeah. some of them, you'd be like, oh, my God, what a nice restaurant. And then you they had, had all the volunteers from Sweden and Denmark, right. which were always a blessing, you know. And, People um, would come from around the world, from yeah. uh, middle class American Jews would go for the exactly. summer. Exactly. But now, I mean, you know, over the last 15 years, probably, people are like, well, how come we do the same amount of work and I get, you know, we do different amounts of work and he gets paid. Right. What I get paid. Right. And capitalism, you know, America. Israel tries to emulate America, but it comes at like a 20-year delay. Right. Like, people are now getting boob jobs. And it's like a big thing now in Tel Aviv. Seriously. Like, back in the day, when I was growing up- Men, like, women, everybody. Yeah, everybody. Boobs. Everyone's Just got boobs. Just facelifts and tanning. <laughs> you know, it's, it was, they used to make fun of Americans. And now, you see these fake tits everywhere. And I'm like, re- now you're catching on? I mean, it's it's kind of delayed, delayed yeah. response time. Um, so, people ended up wanting to, you know, especially with high-tech internet. I mean, that's booming in mm-hmm. Israel. So, people saw opportunities. And like, fuck the kibbutz. We're moving to Tel Aviv. All these young guys that thought that thought they could make, you know, it became very materialistic. It right. actually really veered away from the kibbutz ideal, which is sad. I'm kind of nostalgic. and For the old Israel. Yeah, the olden days. Yeah. The olden days. What, well, it, when you go back, I mean, do you have, you know, fears? Do you do you go back or, or is it just, because I know people who live in Israel. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. Nothing's happening. Right. You know, it, you know, it's, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't feel it. I have friends that live where they are getting rockets. They do live near the West, near um, Gaza. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other thing. But Tel Aviv, you do feel like you're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And that's no. where you're going? Yeah. And yeah. you have, and your mom's there and you have friends there? I have, yeah, some friends there. People in Israel procreate a lot earlier. So most of you know, people here, they're all in their 40s and bachelors and no children. And they're like, yay. But yeah. in Israel, you know, anybody over 40 doesn't have three kids. Like, what's wrong with you? Even non-religious people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, they just pop them out. What do you think that's about? Do you think that's a uh, that's an Israeli thing that we need to keep making uh, Jews? Probably. It's a very family-oriented society, uh-huh. uh, you know, and... Um, uh, and I think that people, yeah, life is short. You might as well you have know, kids. Yeah, pop them you out now. Might as well enjoy that. Yeah, and not be a guy who lives in the hills with cats, <laughs> like myself. Like I, I don't know. I about, don't want to comment on that. I don't have kids. You don't have kids. I don't have kids either. And do, I have a cat. Do you feel the uh, the compulsion? I feel, you know, I feel compulsion, and then, but it comes and goes. It comes mm. in waves. I mean, it's not like a hypothetical compulsion. Like I want to have baby. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I have one on my own. But at I mean, this is juncture. your ovary saying that? Yeah, Ovary's like, what the fuck are you thinking <laughs> yeah. at this juncture? Let's but go. Um, <laughs> let's yeah. go. We're drying up. No, yeah. no, but I think that I am a little more zen about it and be like, okay, you want do want to find the right partner. I mean, yeah, not I, easy. I, I, especially not in LA. I, well, what is that? I went on a date the other day. Guy, forty three years old, three roommates. So I, I don't know anymore. Ugh. I don't know anymore, and I don't want to start. You know what I mean? I yeah. be like dating in LA, like whatever. I'm not going to be that person. No, but I mean, okay, so you went on a date, but you just broke up with somebody, right? And it was miserable. Yes, it was so, miserable. All right, well. Well, if you're really kind of like fucked up about that, whatever dating you're doing now is just I'm a not that fucked up anymore. Dating. It was like it took two weeks. It was like it was like withdrawal from heroin. You know, you, you go through this. Well, that should tell you something. Yeah, no, you're right. Not healthy. <laughs> not good for you. Yeah, I know. So it's you go through the because I'm not a I don't I don't have any vices really except mm. my hyperactivity and mm-hmm. I do masturbate quite a bit. Yeah, but, well, that's um, nice. You know, I try. Um, but you know, I went through that very strong visceral convulsion. 
I I wasn't wasn't sleeping at night. I ended up watching Battlestar Galactica the entire four seasons. Well, you were in a really week. fucked up. Yeah, huh? I mean, it was like all was night bad. on my ne- on my iPod, After you masturbating, broke up. watching BG. Yeah, because it was like the first two weeks. Suddenly you're living, you're like, Nyeh. yeah, yeah. And then then it's just okay. I'm normal again, you know. But it takes it takes a while. Yeah, you have should. to go through that kind of. I have a book I can recommend for you. It's not going to be pretty. Uh oh, what is it? Uh, it's facing love addiction. Oh Jesus! <laughs> no, but I was single for years before. Like I'm not the relationship to relationship person. I'm not that person. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I I'm happy that. being alone. But then when I do get into something, and I'm like, don't leave me. And then I'm okay. I get I'm alone again. So it's how a crazy? Weird... How crazy did you get? I didn't get crazy. I don't get crazy. Really? Yeah, You're I Israeli. don't. I know, but I'm a hybrid. Oh, I'm okay. like a Prius. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's so, party that goes, you cannot leave me. And the other part's like, it's okay. I understand. Yeah, I'm kind of shitty. Yeah, exactly. No, no, not the shitty part, but okay. just the compassionate empath. Like, I understand what you're going through and oh. you're not over your ex. That's okay. Do you know what I mean? It's it's. He it's, was that guy? Yeah, he was that guy. Oh. Yeah. Like an ex-wife? No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no, not ex-wife. Just ex, ex-girlfriend. ex So you went out with a 43-year-old girl or guy? A girl? Really? Maybe. What is, yeah. you know, it's funny. People do think I'm gay at times. No, I don't think you're gay. You're just Thank Israeli. You. It's, it's hard. Israeli. <laughs> There's a masculinity yeah. about you, Israeli women. No. I, some Israeli women have scared the fuck out of me. N- not in a real way, just sort of like you know, I, they make me want to fight them. Right? No, there is a, not it's physically. A fight. They're immediately yeah, like, yes, you're like, do you have with a, a chick. Yes, it's yeah. true. Yeah, it is. I think it's and once you're, you know, it's Israeli men. I also find now I've gotten used to kind of mushy American men. Oh, not in a yeah. bad way. But then I go back to Israel and I'm like, Jesus, calm the fuck down. <laughs> but they're like, Welcome to Tel Aviv, bitch. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's this. Harshness is just a norm. So after a couple months, I get back in that mode. I don't want to fight. But what's in there? What's in the Israeli man? Is there anything sensitive and, and loving, or is it all just yes. a complete alpha of insanity? No, it's a it's a it's a, a horrible co- co- <laughs> it's a horrible combination of of macho sensitivity. Uh huh. I'm sensitive. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, that. Yeah. It's They're that yelling thing. at you. Yeah. Look, yeah. I am crying. I understand your feelings. You yeah. know. So it's. But no, Israeli men are very emotional. Actually, very open about their feelings. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. In general, yeah. In general, I mean, you, you see no shortage of, of soldiers crying. You mm. don't see that. I, I think there's a misconception about. There really is a gross misconception about Israel. I mean, I do. I do believe that. Okay. And about Israelis, but Israeli men are tough and direct and. It is, you know, there's an abrasiveness, but you also know where you stand. Well, I think there's a confusion about Israel. I mean, it's like, even as a Jew, like, I've got a big book with that's just called Israel. I saw it. I saw it by yeah. Martin Gilbert. Yeah. And uh, and then there's one next to it, you know, which is the other side. Like, the one, Martin Gilbert, I think, is a historian. Then the Jewish state, that's a fairly kind right. of radical um, Zionist uh, yeah, interpretation, yeah. a modern uh, sort of like Israel's survival is is paramount to anything. We do whatever is necessary. Right. Uh, and I I didn't read either one of them. <laughs> but as long but, as they're uh, on the shelf. Yeah, but I also have the Old Testament. I mean, I have a lot of things you have here. Classic I have, Hasidic tales. Yes, I have Martin Buber's books. Okay. You know, uh, yes. you know, he's a, a yeah a philosopher. And then there's a Kabbalah book there. I think Inner Space is a a high level <laughs> sort of Hasidic uh, text. Uh, they, and then major trends in Jewish mysticism. Oh, which, I have. Is that Gershom Scholem? Yes, I have yeah, that book. Yeah, that's a great book. Yes, you know, if a, you can amazing. understand it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you, you know, and I, I, I have a fascination with it, but I don't educate myself well, and I, I just think that for most people, especially American Jews and, and yes. certainly non-Jews, it's like it just seems like a big clusterfuck there. Well, it is a clusterfuck. No matter how much you educate yourself, I think you only get more confused. I think the problem is people get engrossed in this history. What came first? You know, who came for the chicken or the egg kind of? Uh-huh. Who was here? We were here 3,000 years ago. Well, who believes that book? We were here right. two, We were 20 years ago. Right. I mean, you know, and then there's the whole argument with, you know, the Palestinians being a conglomerate of people from Arab nations that came only 100 years ago. There's no end to it. I feel like, well, it's not helpful. Well, yeah, it's, it's just not came... helpful. Like, okay, this is a situation now. Forget mm-hmm. what happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago or what, who said what. I mean, it really becomes, it's, it's ridiculous at this juncture. So. Are, but are you a political person? 
Um, I try not to be, but I am. I mean, I'm confused. Just I I admit that I'm confused. You know what I mean? I don't think the settlements are good, but I also think that they're made out to be worse than they should be. There's a Mm -hmm. way to work around. You know what I mean? It's it's confusing. I do believe there should be a Palestinian state, but is it terrifying and seems not feasible when you have two completely disparate groups and you have people that can't control their own people and you have Hamas like something simple like we you know we um, recognize the state of Israel. It's like one sentence. We can't even get that. And it seems like so simple. Just say it. Yeah. People can't even say that. So how can you have a feasible peace? You know, so it's that whole thing. And then people are like, well, they just want to have a normal life. What are we doing? It's the whole, it's just, yeah, it spirals. I'm getting dizzy just thinking Well, it's just it. interesting that there is this conversation. There's this active debate and that there are all these sides represented and that it seems to be an ongoing conversation that has real tenacity on all sides. And, and it really, there is actual debate going on and, and people are sort of weighing these things out. Whereas yeah. in American politics, everything takes forever. The debate seems like bullshit. That's interesting. And, yep. and most of American politics is corporate run, you know, right. shills right. who are there to lie to their constituents in order to get what they want to get done done and the only thing time anything ever happens is if something explodes and uh, you know yeah. people get truly angry uh, where in Israel it just seems like it's constantly some level of anger and and that there's an aggressive debate around it's every a, it's movement. definitely not passive aggressive I think that's you always know what you're getting so even you know it's hyper aggressive but you always this person there's no shortage of yeah honesty. I, don't, I don't even understand how the Jewish government works I mean yeah and, and, well nobody does yeah but yeah I mean you know uh, but you did this amazing show that I saw in Edinburgh which really dealt with a lot of of these issues yeah through characters yeah and it really is an amazing show thank you and thank i don't you. even know how you know you would you i would describe it it, it all takes place you know in a single yeah you know, it's 11 scene. people in a, in a tel aviv coffee shop right before a suicide bomber enters and you play all 11 people yes and what are those characters all 11 well there's a, a reporter a british reporter uh, yeah. who's their report kind of for she's kind of a christian i'm on poor she doesn't want to do the piece on israelis she's like why would i care about these guys i want to yeah. care about the victims yeah and so she interviews all these people, and each person dies in the bombing. So you're kind of sitting there, as you remember, in the space. And yeah, the end of it is just explosion her- kind of, Yeah. Uh, but it's more sociological than a political piece. I mean, it's people with different right. viewpoints. I didn't come out. I'm not here to hammer anybody over the head. Right. You know what I mean? I'm trying to explore it myself. Uh, we have an aging kibbutznik, you know, whose son doesn't want to get drafted. He wants to move to New York to clean carpets because, mm-hmm. as you know, many Israelis end up working in the moving business and cleaning carpets for some odd reason. Yeah, and and, and, and contrary to... I had to learn a horrible lesson when I was uh, working at a delicatessen in... Uh, in in um, in Boston in college, that not all Jews are good people. Mm. <laughs> that was... Tough truth to handle, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah when you're young and <laughs> idealistic, you know. I don't know why I didn't realize that. You know, given that Bugsy Siegel and Meyer all Lansky Jews are not good people. Yeah. I love it. Um, so there's the reporter. There's a, a Israeli expat who who lives in New York, and a lot of Israelis kind of flee. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely a strong diaspora. Uh, it goes both ways. You yeah. get people that become very religious, like yes. my brother, or, or, or maybe even ultra-Orthodox, and then the, you know, they grew up in Brooklyn, and the next thing you know, they're in a settlement well, somewhere. Well, most of the settlers are American Jews from whatever borough park, and ha- most of Jerusalem is Amer- like young Americans. Mm-hmm. You don't see, you hardly see any Israelis in Jerusalem. But that's funny that just as many come yes. this way, too. What did they usually leave for? Well, I think they leave, you know, it's a stressful place. Income tax is ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stress, there's the reserves. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You got it. If you're a man, you do the reserves until you're like 40 you know I so mean, you can always be called to war always always you leave work for a month i mean there's no you know 
Um, and people also, it's, you know, financial. You know, now it's like a brain drain. You have all these guys that end up moving to, you know, Silicon Valley. It used to be that, yeah, people, a certain class of Israelis would come and end up working and moving or working yeah. in jewelry or whatever it was. But now you have these brilliant guys coming in. Musicians, too. A lot of musicians. Yeah. there's a glass ceiling. I mean, it's a small country and you're, you know, you drive 10 minutes, you hit a border. Yeah. It's not like, let's go on a road trip. Yeah. What is a road trip? You know, yeah, road trip. You have th- what is it? Like let's three, go four, buy produce. Yeah. Three, I mean, three, four hours you can drive across the whole country, yeah, right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you really go top to bottom. Yeah. And I did that in a day. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you really okay, cover we the country today. Yeah, great. Check. Yeah. Um, so people end up, you know, leaving and traveling. And there's a bug, too. Also, after the army, you know, as I know, as you know, I wrote about that in my in my book. After Which the army, book? Door Corps, mm-hmm. you end up traveling through Asia. A lot of people do a lot of drugs. I didn't. I didn't do a lot of drugs. What are you afraid of? Um, it's just lack of control. So wait, so you got out of the... Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, well, I no, I do. You know, I've experimented, but I've never, like... So you, you know. Door Corps is your first book. Yes. And that's about... Getting out of the army, and you went where in Asia? Uh, I went for six months. It was India, Vietnam, Thailand, Nepal, a little bit of Australia. Did you get sick? Oh, I, I was like 80 pounds by the end of it. I get sick everywhere. I've been to every clinic in every country. I mean, literally, <laughs> at one point, I, I was in India lying yeah. there drooling on myself, and she said, you have two kinds of dysentery, you have jardia, and you have three kinds of worms. I mean, you see the worms just crawling around in your fecal matter. Nice. And I'm like, great, let's go party in Manali. Yeah. And I left, and I went up north to a rave in, in the Himalayas for three days. Really? Yeah. You were in India? Yeah, yeah. It was, was it great? Oh, it was great. See, I, I want to so go. It was but- Four and this was pre, this was hardcore. Oh, it was, this was pre before Bangalore, yeah. pre outsourcing. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There was no money anywhere no, except no. in the big houses. Cows and yeah, I mean yeah. you had the millionaires, but sure. I didn't access them. So you went to India and Nepal. You said Nepal, Thailand. Now, a I bunch of th- times. I hear Thailand's beautiful. It is and it's great. And yeah. I, I have no idea about that part of the world. Well, go. None. I was in China for two weeks. See, I didn't go to China. Yeah, China was a little gnarly. Yeah, it was. In, yeah, it's intense. Yeah, Beijing it's intense. was intense. Yeah, I but can you imagine. know, I, it wasn't beautiful. I mean, the Great right. Wall is stunning. Yeah, but it, you know, it's pretty. Well, you Thailand, know. you have the islands. You have up north. It's it's a much you know, it's a user friendly. You have the Thai girls. You got the sex shows. I mean, it's people go for that as well. Yeah, people go to have sex with uh, children. That's what uh, Thailand's okay, popular. Yeah. Or you know, lady boys, whatever. Yeah. I had a banana spewed out. I went to the sex show and I was I went to the front row because I'm Israeli and I'm brave. Literally spewed out the banana out of her poon into my face. Really? Yeah. And how I was went that to get an AIDS test the next day. You did not. I did. I was ignorant. <laughs> I didn't know. You know, at the time, young. You know, whatever. I'm Can like, you get you know, AIDS from twenty one a- from a contaminated <laughs> fruit, and also get tested a day later. Like it would instantly be. So you're crazy. Yeah, a little yeah, bit, little, but in a, in a, a grounded, a yeah. grounded way. No, no, it's nice. <laughs> so okay, so getting back to the show, mm-hmm. you know, when I saw it in Edinburgh, now I was not in great shape that trip. Were you not? Oh, emotionally. Yeah, because, yeah, you were going yeah. through hell. I no, it, was, it was horrendous. Yeah, 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 I remember that. And I don't know, uh, you know, I probably, when you talked to me, I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it, yeah. And I, try, I probably tried to fuck you. You did. It, yeah. You did. Uh, so, <laughs> really, how hard did I? Um, not hard enough to make me feel good about myself, but hard enough to be like, he's in dire straits. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> not that fucking me would in, intent, you know, would imply that you're in dire straits. Even if you're I, in great shape, I think you'd want to fuck me. I could not get through to you. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I was like, I just dismissed it as like, I can't. These Israeli girls, they just don't like me, and she's got other things. Oh and my god! You wanted, to, you know, I think you wanted to hang out with some guy who played hacky sack, some tall actor, Scottish guy. I don't remember. Oh yes, there was the Scottish guy, but no hacky sack. <laughs> okay, yeah, I but just, he was a man whore. He scared me. I talk about STD fear. I was like, you know what? Too much. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That scared me. He was well, like there a walking is that, herpy. Yeah, that international theater circuit. Circuit where nobody dirty. bathes and yeah, the teeth. Just yeah, the teeth are enough to horrify. I it's mean, like, they're like carnies. Yeah. 
You know, there's just these people that do these one-man shows. They just exactly. keep changing the names of like, you know, an hour and 15 minutes of random material. Living into, in a barn in Provence and, you know. Right, and doing a show there yeah, because it, it's but, part of the festival. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody uses prophylactics. It's really. Yeah, And yeah. then they worry about teen pregnancy in England. I mean, yeah. it's just living in the Middle Ages. It really is. But when I went to see your show, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. And it was like, it was pretty, uh, you know, horribly moving and emotional. So you've got the English reporter, you've got the old kibbutznik who's, uh, whose son is moving away. Who else is involved? I have a gay German furniture designer who falls in love with this Israeli guy. Uh, that was inspired by, when I was in high school, we went on kind of a Meet the Nazis tour. We uh-huh. had an exchange program at the German high school. <laughs> and uh, and then we did. <laughs> meet the Nazis so you don't think they're Nazis. Yeah, well, we went, you know, it was so interesting because you, you go and you meet these like lovely German guys, you know, these kids, it was high school. And yeah. They're all about moving forward and, you know, kind of embarrassed about their history. But then, you know, so we go to all the camps together, which is awkward because it's like their grandparents. And, yeah, you do uh, Bergen Belsen and, you know, we didn't go to Auschwitz, but just Bergen Belsen and then you, you know, um, isn't Auschwitz in Poland? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they, um, they're all about, oh, we're so sorry. It's all very comforting, even though we're crying and they feel awkward because I know that their grandma or grandpa, you know, yeah. opened the gates. And then at the end of the trip, we had like a big discussion about Israel. Suddenly got to Israel, even mm-hmm. back then, you know. And they're like, we're tired of talking about the Holocaust. It's not our fault. Like suddenly, the truth, the truth came out. You right. know what I mean? Like, and it's it was it was interesting and kind of jarring. What it was sort of like tough love. Like get over it. Yeah, get over. It. Like we didn't have anything to do with it, and maybe right. you deserved it. No, but that didn't go there. But <laughs> it, uh, they probably thought that to some extent. Yeah. You know what oh I mean? sure, you are annoying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine how whiny it was at the camp. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, there was, and then um, I I wrote Dorcor came out in Germany, and it was a huge bestseller. Uh, and they brought me in for a book tour. This was two years ago. And uh, I started in Munich, and I'd never been to Munich. And they take me, they pick me up in a car, and guess what street the hotel is on? Dachau Street. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't know. They still call, can't you change the street name? I mean, isn't it time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dachaustrasse. Yeah. Well, who was Dachau? I mean, was he a guy? I, I mean, don't know, it, but it's time, you know, yeah, call yeah. it whatever. Out of respect. Call it, yeah, Netanyahu for, Lane or something. Yeah. Just Out of respect it. for the Jew that might be here on a book tour. Yeah. Just, can we change the street? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I said to them, I said, you know, I'm sorry, I feel a little awkward. And I teased them about it. I go, oh, mm-hmm. sending the Jew to Dachau. And they were so horrified. I loved it. This mm-hmm. is tall language. Well, I think they changed all the streets that were, you know, Kike Lane is no longer there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dirty Jew Boulevard is Dirty gone. Dirty Jew, Big Nose Alley. Yeah, they, they changed all that. So what mm. what what was the what was the through line of Dorcor? I mean, why is it called Dorcor? Uh, Dorcor, I was a virgin till a relatively late age. Intimacy issues, uh, and when I went to Asia, they never go away. Well, no, they I think they went away. Okay, they good. did. Yeah, enough yeah. work. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, Mark. There's there's hope. There's, okay. uh, there's time. Uh, and then I went to Asia to kind of lose my, that through line is losing my virginity. Like mm. even through the army, I had kind of a pseudo sexual experience where the guy was in for like a second. So I didn't really call that losing my virginity. Do you know what I mean? And he was big. It was like a soup can. I, it hurt. I stopped. And then I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. I, I freaked out for the rest of my military experience. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of was a door core. Yeah. I mean, really. And I went to Asia. And I didn't, people were like, did you sleep with Asian men? I go, no, that wasn't the intention. The intention was just going to Asia, backpackers, you know, that yeah. kind of But underneath you wanted to lose your virginity. Yeah, I wanted to, you know, feel feel the love, really. It's all about looking for love, isn't sure. it? I mean, but for me, looking, looking for, for sex, too. You know? Yeah. So it's get about it my, over with. Exactly. Get it over with and actually enjoy it, hopefully, yeah. at some juncture. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that so, takes a little time. It does. Uh, so, you know, I went through Asia and I, I sex, it was my sex capades through Asia. Uh-huh. And now I have a sequel coming out, which is my trip through South America. Oh, which really? Which was a year later. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so d- did you end up losing your virginity? 
you got to. I can't give away the end of the book there. Do you want to be a spoiler? Uh, no. Okay. I did, so there was a chapter involving a large cucumber, uh-huh. which did help. Uh huh. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I was like, you know what? If I, I got to go and start big and then, yeah, if you know, it, maybe I got to open this thing the way. up. Yeah. yeah, open it up. There's some sort of, you know, <laughs> emotional chastity belt going yeah, on. There's, there's some clenching yeah. on, on, going on with in the, a vagina an emotional dentata. Yeah. yeah that, so. Well, no, I hope there's no teeth. No. All right, so you got the German furniture mm. designer who's in love with German his in I have a, uh, um, who else do I have? I have an American soldier. This one was kind of autobiographical. Not really, I mean, not the details. An American soldier yeah, there American for what American girl reason? that goes to volunteer in the army. Oh, okay. People do that. She's very young, and she thought she'd come into like Israel and be loved and accepted by everybody, and she ends up being made fun of um, by the Israelis and Did, not were accepted. Were you? When I had a very heavy accent in Hebrew when I first moved there. So in eighth grade, it was pretty traumatizing. I uh-huh. was definitely like the American girl that, you know, couldn't fit in. Right. Um, you had a New York accent. Well, no, I never had a New York. I mean. But you had an American accent. I had an accent. American accent in Hebrew, which is very strong. I, I have since worked, you know. Oh, when you spoke Hebrew, they yeah. knew. Okay. It was you couldn't You couldn't pass. Yeah, I couldn't pass. They yeah. could smell me from uh-huh. a mile away. And um, they... So there's that girl, and she ends up trying to connect with family. And uh, so we have her. Who else do we have? Oh, we have Svetlana. She's in the show because there's a huge there was a huge influx of Russian immigrants to Israel in the last ten years. Right. Well, they they released them. They released uh, them uh, into uh, the yeah. yeah. Released the Russian Jews, and a lot of them were not Jewish, and they forged papers to come across as Jews. Oh, really? Yeah. So Svetlana is that person. Because um, usually it goes the other way. Right. Usually people are like, and that's not right. a that's Jew. That's a joke in the show. I oh, mean, yeah, it? it's like what? Who heard of actually? You know. Paying someone to make a document that says you are Jewish. That's an odd odd phenomenon. So you have that. You have a huge influx of Russians that really have changed the face, like Russians, Romanians, just Eastern Europeans, besides the fact that they're now like these tall, gorgeous blondes roaming around Israel, which didn't happen before. Are they Are they, uh, are they? they um, uh, sort of adding to the gene pool? Are, are Israelis In a very frustrating them? way. You know, yeah, Israeli men love it. Uh-huh. They love it. I mean, you got these, because Israeli women, you know, they're not that tall, very pretty, kind of big jugs. Always big jugs. Usually, I'm the I'm the exception. Israeli women. Yeah, Israeli women. Kind of big ass. It's a, it's a healthy, it's a healthy body. Swarthy. <laughs> I don't know about swarthy. Sounds is the swashbuckly. Neck I don't know what it is. Buck, not even buxom. Okay. Just healthy. Not uh-huh. you know. Maybe I'm misusing the word swarthy. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know the definition. Look it up. Okay. And uh, then ahead. you have these statuesque Ukrainian Russian. Anybody who knows <laughs> who's been to those places knows that these women are genetically blessed. Right. So yeah, I mean, you and know. and they are sort of. Um, like they're marrying Israel. They're married, but Russian women are tough too. Having I mean, dark complexion or color. Oh, so completely out. Oh, so okay, okay. Naturally having skin of a dark color, dark skin beauty. But I think I so, a lot that. of Israeli women are swarthy if they come yes. from a Sephardic background. Sephardic, exactly. But yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a beautiful. I mean, there is a nice ethnic mix mm-hmm. there. I think Israeli women are very beautiful. All right, so you have Svetlana in the cafe. Yes, I have a Palestinian professor, one of my favorite characters, um, who's who lives in Ramallah and kind of tries to escape. The, the muck and the mire and just have coffee once a week until I even pretend that she's kind of in Europe you know what I mean right and talks about the tragedy of her son who's become more extremist that's who, right I remember this who lives in Gaza doesn't want to come to you know the West Bank and um, uh, and the tragedy of it how she's trying to veer him away from extremism but she can't right you know, he's got nothing going I'm he's just becoming, trying to get the psychology of what drives people you know and to become a suicide bomber yeah which there's always a better way obviously yeah. it's like you know well a lot of people have difficult conditions don't end up becoming suicide bombers so it's not you know but you try and kind of explore the psychology of that I, it's weird i'm getting chills just thinking about that that triggered the rem- the memory of the show cuz i don't remember a lot of the dialogue but i remember that character yeah yeah she's and, a very moving character and she's there to meet her son yeah and the son ends up being the suicide bomber and kills his own mother yeah yeah 
um, which you know sparked oh, controversy God. when I did the show. That's and so I had, fucking heavy, you man. You know, people go, "Well, why did he wouldn't do that?" And other people, he would do that. I had a woman who's who was arguing with you, Muslims. Everybody. I mean, it depends. I did the show, and I always had Q's and you know Q and A afterwards. I did the show at the UN. I mean, you know, it was, what do you mean you did it at the UN? I did it for over a hundred ambassadors. It was unbelievable. Where in the big room? In the big the Dag Hammarskjöld or whatever the auditorium is. I right. did the full show. Yeah. And you know, ambassadors from where? Everywhere. I mean, the, a lot of the Arab ambassadors didn't come. They boycotted the show, which is always tragic. Aggressive? I mean, uh, no, out, out, no. They just didn't come. They didn't come. They they didn't all, say some of them RSVP didn't come. Some of them didn't come, um, which is, is frustrating because it really isn't like a, you know, it's a show that I've had a lot of Arabs come see the show and, and, and enjoy. I don't want to say enjoy, but appreciate it. Well, it's interesting that they'd make an argument about, uh, you know, someone who is that disturbed either for religious reasons or other reasons. I mean, there's arguments to be made that somebody who does that is disturbed in a lot of ways. Yeah, that by our standards. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but, but the possibility that somebody you know, would not have uh, the type of illness that would enable him to, 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 right. to, to do matricide. Yeah, uh, but you, you could know. kill yourself. It's an interesting psychological, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, there have been plenty of murderers that kill their mothers. Yeah, exactly. And there have been pretty, you know, uh, plenty of uh, mother-child uh, relationships that are you know, responsible for creating the psychology well, that I may make somebody a killer. It depends how much you value human life. So if you don't see, you know, you don't value your life as much, you don't value others, it's a whole But other... I think as a metaphor, it it, it works. Yeah. As a theatrical yeah, metaphor. Yeah, no, I mean, I... It, it's provocative, obviously. A lot of people didn't, you know, I think people were more moved by it and the tragedy of it, they didn't. But some people had issues with it. Um, not a lot. Well, it's interesting. The issue would be like, no, he... You he know, wouldn't his, kill his own mother, right, but he killed 10 people. That's right. people, That's yeah. right. You and know, he would, he would ask his mother to leave. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't do that. Yeah. Did do you that ever think of that possibility? with the show where it's like he says you know you have to leave now no no I think that he completely alien he was completely alienated from his mother they weren't in touch he hated her he saw her as a traitor he saw her as the other side oh so see so me, then there is a religious foundation in, yeah. in justification for killing the mother yeah on some level well I mean I don't think yeah I think that it was, a, it was a small price to pay for the final goal but that really wasn't the issue I mean I didn't exp that didn't come into my mind that much until someone raised it I was like this guy's on a mission was there a conversation between the mother and the son in the cafe I can't remember no, no. he, he just entered walks in. and she sees him and you know and that's it well the thing is that um, oh god I remember it. it's hard the initial the, the play comes full circle the initial there's an American actress who's Latina who got cast to play this Israeli girl and she's in Israel doing research. She's right. kind of dim, you know. Right. She pass. She tries to pass as as because you know you have. I mean, even the new movie Morale, you know, Julian Schnabel's new film about Palestinian girl. I just heard him talking briefly. Well, on Frida NPR. Pinto played the role, and she's she was in Slumdog Millionaire. So right. there, it's not. It's definitely Hollywood to have a Latina actress playing swarthy. an Israeli girl. Swarthy. As long as you're swarthy and you're yeah. not you're not pasty, then you're yeah. okay for any ethnicity. Sure. Um, and so. She's in her in the screenplay. The suicide bomber enters the cafe, and he suddenly sees this girl, and they have connection. Suddenly, he's debating what to do. That's the debate. You know what I mean? Because and this woman who actually interviews failed suicide bombers—that's her—that's her gig. She's a therapist. She goes to these jails and interviews failed. Palestinian the the woman in the ear show. She came to see the show. Oh, okay. And she said, "Wow, that's really accurate. Like sometimes these guys come in on their mission. They make one, you know, some eye contact with another human being that taps into something and says, whoa, wait a minute.' You know, it's because you're not dehuman. Suddenly, they're not dehumanizing anymore. Right. So then, at the end, um, when the, the actual bomber comes in, the same thing plays out. So the mom watches as he walks in, doesn't know what he's about to do. He sees the girl who's still in the cafe. So it, you know, it's all very meta. You know? Yeah. Sees the girl. He debates, but he ends up. He ends up obviously. So you, the you you're saying that the woman you spoke to who who interviews suicide bombers failed suicide yes. bombers says oh, many times the reason they fail is they 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 see a human being as a no not many times no but I think she says it's it does happen where there's some sort of it it 
it makes you question or it causes some pause. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, they fail because the device didn't work. I mean, yeah, I think once just, you're in there. They just sit there smoking and going, yeah. ow, yeah. ow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So you, you're at the UN. Mm-hmm. Then you were about to perform for 100 ambassadors from yes. all over the world. Mm-hmm. Like, what was uh, any surprising responses? Um, no, I mean, I think they Did were all very diplomatic. I didn't, they didn't know. We had like a reception. There were cookies and pastries and then everybody left. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Um, but people came to me after. The French delegate and there was, I think, Indonesian. I mean, people wrote to me and it, it was, I think, more powerful. This is so funny, but more powerful than the UN experience. I did the show for a high school in East L.A. Like that to me it was amazing. This this what was that audience? Well, like? this teacher wrote to me and said these kids have never been to theater. Uh, they have no idea where Israel is. Like really, just ignorant of right. all you know the entire situation. And I said, okay, bring them over. And I had done the show for high schools in New York. You know, a bunch of kids from the Upper West Side that kept texting the whole show. And, uh-huh. You know, talking. And I was like, I want these kids. I want all phones confiscated. I was imagining the worst. I'd have these rowdy kids from East LA. You know, checking their messages. And she goes, No, they'll be fine. I'm like, Okay. So they came to the theater. And you could hear a pin drop. They were so respectful. I mean, these guys had never been in a theater. They'd never seen a theater piece. And um, they were fascinated by it. And they wrote me these letters. I mean, I was crying how one kid's in a gang and he didn't realize the conflict somewhere else. And, yeah. you know, really profound. That, to me, was an extremely gratifying experience. Wow. Because at least you do feel like you're making... So- I don't think the UN... I'm not changing anybody's mind at the UN, with all due respect. I mean, the UN, it's, you know, yeah, not you a were joke, doing but a, it's like, You were doing really. a show that was themed appropriately you know, for that audience. Yeah, and, and they were in, they found it interesting. I'm sure that it opened up, you know, I'm sure there are little changes people go through. Were you given any changes. opportunities after doing that? I mean, did somebody say, I'd like you to come do this, you know, at the, uh, the embassy theater or that, you uh, Right, know? come to Turkmenistan. I yeah. did get an offer to actually go to some stand <laughs> and I don't remember where it was. They they wrote to me and they said, please come, you know, some former Soviet Republic. And I, you know, I think they could offer me like 20 bucks to go. And I, I'm just tired. You know, I toured with this for a while and it gets to a point where you're like. Are you done with the show? Um, no, I'm supposed to do the show in Connecticut, I think. Uh, in At a Jewish community center? Um, no, a festival of some sort. Oh. Yeah. And did you do that? I've done, the, I've done the, yeah. The, the Jewish community J- circuit The JCC. Tour? Not too many. Not too many. There's not a couple of really nice ones. I mean, they, beautiful. some of them have really nice theaters, but you know, the people that come, it's right. always well, like. Well, San Francisco was great. San Francisco is a very liberal No, that's a great community. Th- I've, I've and, been there. I've done yeah. a reading at that center. It's yeah. a nice little theater. It's nice. And a lot of the members are non, non-Jews and, you know, it's all crunchy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because the San Francisco Jewish community is like. It's I, like four I, people. And yeah, they're all like. Yeah. And they're not. I've never met a less pressured Jewish community. In my, in, my, exactly. in my life. And I lived there for two years. I'm like, where are the Jews? They're like, oh, we're here. We're just kind of keeping a little We're profile. under the radar. Assim- yeah, yeah. Assimilation at its worst. Well, yeah. yeah, because they have probably all left annoying Jewish parents to be in San Francisco yes, exactly. to begin with. And like, yeah, parents are now in Boca. And yeah. They can go live in San Francisco and ride their bikes. Right, exactly. Yeah. Do you, have you ever done it in Florida? Uh, have I, yes, I did. Uh, that, see, I did the JCC convention. That's intense. What, you mean like a, a NACA? It's all the JCCs from oh. all over the country, and there was a big ballroom. That was not a good show. That was in Florida? Yeah, it was in Florida. In Miami. Oh, my God. In I Miami. can't even imagine how annoying that yeah, would be. Yeah, it was not only, but it was it was like a stage on rafters. It was not a good, it was not theatrically, it wasn't produced properly. Do you know what I mean? I had a sure. spotlight following me around. I right, felt like right. I was Bob no, Hope. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? It was yeah. just, and it's an intense show, and you need good sound, and it, it's a theater experience. Uh-huh. And were you booked out of that? Yeah, well, I don't think I took anybody up after that. <laughs> after that, yeah. I was like, I'm going back to LA and playing a Russian whore. You know what I mean? I think it's time I evolved. 
Well, let's talk about that Svetlana thing. Yes. Because you told me, where, I mean, I always loved the character. And, and when you did her on the radio show, people always loved it. And now you told me you got it. It's in a series. Yes. And it actually has a friend of mine, Kirk Fox. In it, and I don't even know. You told me where it was. I don't know where it is. Well, yes. It's on a very, uh, it's a network. It's Mark Cuban. You know Mark Cuban. He has a network called HDNet, which is I do know his... Mark Cuban, but what, where was he before? I mean, how do I know him? He's a billionaire. He owns stuff. Okay. You know, sure. he's that guy. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. You know, Magnolia Piggy owns Magnolia Pictures. He produced a lot of stuff. He's, That's right. Okay. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. A, he's a great guy. And he saw the pilot. I did the pilot myself. I produced it myself. And then he goes, let's put it on the air. It's low budge. So I kind of work miracles. I mean, I make the show from no money at all. And Are these full half hours? Yeah, full half hour, two camera. You know, it's uh-huh. kind of like Curb. Uh-huh. I have great people on it all the time. I have three daughters that work for me. So they're all, you know, they're all whores. It's St. Petersburg House of Discreet Pleasure. Mm-hmm. I have an impotent husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on HDNet. So it's if you have like DirecTV, Comcast, a lot of people have it. I mean, Time Warner? Time Warner does not have it. That's the only bummer. So. Oh, see, I got rid of DirecTV. Yeah, well, I'll get it back then. All right, I have the dish still. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Maybe I can just... <laughs> just call them up. Yeah. Reactivate. Um, so we do it on... You know, I'm nestled between Girls Gone Wild and Bikini Destinations. That's my time slot. So it is a very specific male demographic. So Girls Gone Wild has a show they have a on show. HDNet. Yeah, they, they do have a show. And mm-hmm. Bikini Destinations, which is just hot chicks, you know, in Maui and... And who knows where, you know, sometimes flashing their boobs. And then my show, which is actually funny. I'm very proud of it. It's huge in Russia. This woman flew out from Moscow to interview me. All oh, these really? Oligarchs. It's huge. They love it. Oligarchs? Oligarchs. It's big with the oligarchs. Uh, who are they exactly? The, the billionaire the Russians that, that hang out. Yeah, I mean, just the money. They love it? They love it. So they wrote, there's a magazine called Snob. Uh-huh. And they sent a reporter, and they, they have a huge piece coming out in April. Now, when are you going to do some Svetlana in Russia? Why don't you go to Russia? I think I do want to go to Because I've never been. And I do want to go. She I've goes never home been either. I'm fascinated well, let's with go. it. Let's go. Okay. Do it. Let's I'm going with you now? Yeah. To Russia? Of course. I, you know, half my family comes from Russia. Well, then it'll be a roots. Yeah. Trip, a, a roots Russian trip. horror combo. But um, I mean, what have they said? To, what is the Russians, uh, you know, what, what, how did that go? They know right? that character. You know, it's just funny. I, I think I. What do you mean they know the character? They know people like her yeah, in reality? Yeah, the archetype, yeah. And, oh, really? Uh, well, I mean, you know, you've you've seen her. I know, you but know, it's, you know. I didn't realize it was really based on somebody. Well, it's it's inspired. I mean, it, I really was initially inspired by Luba, the woman who acts as my poon. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she, I was like, I love you. And then you go to Beverly Hills, you see these women walking around. You know, mm-hmm. so Svetlana would start. I I did some hidden camera stuff back in the did day. Did you say waxes my poon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to okay, make sure. I want to really showcase that. Thank you. <laughs> Let's I, I want to make sure that yes. the, the poon waxing. So yeah. you you get your poon waxed by yeah. this Russian woman. By Luba, who's amazing. Uh-huh. So for, if you have any female listeners, have them hit me up. Yeah. Because it's, it's an intimate activity, and you want the right person doing it. Yeah, I'd imagine. Extremely painful. Uh-huh. You know, um, but with a skilled hand, it doesn't, you know. Yeah, and she be... and she is a very charismatic person. No, she's very, she's not charismatic at all. She's very factual and in your face, but uh-huh. she's got this kind of raw... It's like Israeli, but different. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. It's you know, no, Russians, they're very aggressive. You know, yeah. yeah, and um, and the women walking around the you know the streets and and with the with the heels and the tits and the you uh-huh. know, I was inspired. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe you know aspired. So what did the uh, the Russian from Snob Magazine say when you met her? Um, well, they're always shocked to see who I am. They see the character. Yeah. And they see me, and, and they're you know, like, that. "You're just a little Jew." Exactly. That's what she wrote in the article. What little, little cute Israeli girl? Yeah, that was it. Uh, Transforming into you know, Russian whore. Um, oh, I I think it'd be great if you had got to go yeah. visit the oligarchs. Yeah, <laughs> it's an oligarch party. So you're going back to Israel next week. I'm going on Friday. Yeah, I'm going stopping in New York and going to Israel for a month. And you're just gonna chill. Oh, I'm writing. I have to finish my second book called that- Machu My Pichu. 
And what's that? But what's the, the theme of that? It's, it's now you've been, you, you know, now you've been fucked. I've been fucked. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm upgrading to now looking for a relationship. No, it's 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 more of a travel adventure. This one is funny. I mean, there's always sex in my. There's a sexual theme in most of my work. Yeah. Um, so this one's through South America. I went to South America a year later for three months. You did? Yeah, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Colombia was very shady I, at the know, time. I tell you. You international types with the travel, you don't think anything about it. For me yeah. to go to South America, I would be, I would worry for six months. Right. But people who grew up, grew up in Israel or or in Europe, they're like, you just go, you, you just, just go. you know, yeah. don't even bring a lot of clothes. You know, for me, I'm like, am I going to be able to plug in my toothbrush? Right. I know. Is there is there American cuisine in a two mile radius? Well, no, I don't worry about that. Okay. But I worry about like I'm now very comfortable with traveling in the states. Like I, I'm touring so much, right. I it's actually cushy. like it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't mind. I know how to pack and all that other shit. Right. But there's something about language barriers that frighten me. Okay. Well, right. I think that, you know, I, as you get older, too, you do get, it's a little harder to, you know, you want to travel a little, I'm not going to backpack again. Right. I mean, I backpack with like, you know, I never backpacked. And... I did it once, but it wasn't even real. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It was like Topanga? No. Uh, it was like uh, I went to Spain, you know. Oh, okay. and, and Well, you're a backpacking is, is different. But I was, it was a honeymoon yeah. trip for the first right. wife, and it was, it was not. Was there a first, I didn't know there was a first wife. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah the Jew. Oh, okay. Well, were not, they both Jewish? No, Mishnah's not Jewish. Okay. I know that with that name. Right. You well, you really, Wolf. A book I mean, of both. the Torah. Yeah, yes, no, no, I managed to find uh, <laughs> uh, a Mishnah wolf that was not uh, Jewish uh, at all. Uh, There's no Jew in her. My first. I met a Friedman who wasn't Jewish. That's impossible. Mike Friedman, That's not impossible. Jewish. That's impossible. It's odd. How did he explain that? I, he didn't. That's a lie. It, it, well, that's <laughs> self-hating. Yeah. It doesn't even change the name. Yeah, yeah. It's like Friedman, but I'm not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. Yeah. Not only that, I, I don't like Jews. Right. <laughs> No, I uh, no, I I don't know how that happened. My first wife was Jewish, and it was all very uh, familiar. Okay, She's well, there was right. a nice, comforting. A lot of men look for their mom. No, I I know? do a joke about that. I, I say I uh, I married a Jew, and the bad thing about if you're a Jew and you married you, that means everything you hated about going home is now in your house. Yeah, convenient. It is yeah. the masochist in all of us, isn't it? I don't it? know. It's... Yeah, no, but you know, my brother, you know, it's 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 each each to their own. Yes. You know, I have nothing against uh, you know Jewish women or or Jews. I would I, hope not. I understand it. Okay. But there, there's something, you know, that that understanding could very quickly lead to, uh, you know, why even bother having sex? Right. That's. <laughs> I think uh, we're done. You, you literally you enter the relationship at age 70 and you're in your mid 30s uh, and all, you're already sitting there going, what? So much to look forward to. When do you want to eat? How often do you date Jews? No, I, you know, I. Uh huh. Yeah. Not what? Very, uh -huh. Not very often. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. Well, I think that. It depends where I'm at. Like, I think Jewish men in L.A., I'm not going to, you know, I don't have anything in common with an accountant in Brentwood mm -hmm. or anybody in Brentwood for that matter. But do you have just, anything in, count, uh, in common with, a like, a miserable comic who can't stop thinking about himself? No, or, absolutely or not. Jewish screenwriter? But then I end up nothing in common with Jewish the Catholic agent. from Texas, like my last guy. Like, what but am you, I doing with that? But you... <sighs> what am I doing with... You know what I mean? I tell them about Israel, and they're like, oh, tell me more. You know, educate me. Well, I mean, uh, obviously it doesn't have much to do with that. I mean, but you do have a lot in common with every kind of Jew. It depends what you, you want in common. You understand it. Yeah. Well, do I want to be with someone I understand? That's right. That's the whole issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can, can I get away from that? Yeah. I don't know if it's the same with every type of culture. I, I imagine it's the same with Catholics and Catholics. Right. Muslims and Muslims. I mean, know. for me, it's not religion. It's you know, Jewish culture. Again, it's Israelis and American Jews. It's a very different, it's a very different cultural personality. Mm -hmm. Does that make it a cultural personality? I don't even know what that means. Um, so, yeah, American Jews, they know about, you know, I, I think I... It really is what world are they in today? It's not this abstract, like, I'm a Jew, you get me. Like, what does that even mean? 
Do I, have I know exactly what it well, means. Well, do you? See, I don't. But I, you know, I'm not, I'm not neurotic. Is that a, yeah. Well, uh-huh. probably a little neurotic. Uh-huh. But I'm not neurotic to the point where I don't have the patience for somebody neurotic. Uh-huh. So I want somebody not neurotic. If there are Jews that are not neurotic, bring them to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I also don't like uncircumcised. Like you date European guys, they're not even circumcised. At uh-huh. least here, everybody's. Yeah. You know what you're getting. Up. Well, Trimmed there's just up. no yeah. mystery. You can see the whole thing. You're not playing with additional parts. I mean, it's just, it's really, I don't know, it's awkward. Uh-huh. It's, 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 Is it? Yes, it's like, it's- There's it's, a lot of, yeah. It's moving parts yeah, and things are yeah. peeking out and going in and, <laughs> and I don't know, you know, and you don't want to look at it too much. I'm always like, I think it's probably been with two guys and I just kept staring at it and I don't know how to maneuver it. <laughs> And it's, you know, and it's just... Why is that there? Well, you know, yeah. it's... I'd like to just... Let's... Yeah. I want to see the whole thing. And, here it is. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is what it looks like. Flaccid is what it looks like. Not flaccid. This yeah. is the package. Yeah. There, it's like, oh, here it comes. And yeah. it's out. And it's going in. And <laughs> what happened? And it's... it's there's an yeah. envelope. Yeah. 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 It's... I don't like yeah, it. No, I'm this sorry. is... A, I think this is a very honest problem. Well, and what are you going to do? You're not going to be 40 and get circumcised. I would some never ask do. a man... Do they? I've heard that some people get it back. That they want their foreskin a back. Yeah. Wait, is there like a is there a bank? Yeah, I the think the foreskin yeah, bank sure. they take from their elbow. You know, they yeah. always take like we're taking yeah, some yeah. flesh off from your inner yeah. elbow and yeah, put it yeah, on your penis. Put it in your penis. It works perfectly. We do these all the time. <laughs> I don't know what the reason would be. So now, when you go to Israel, now you look. Is there going to be arguing? Um, probably with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. What's that argument like? Uh, it's a combination. My mom, you know, for years, uh, tried to guilt me for everything. Oh, you're leaving me. You're going to college in America. Oh, you're leaving me. You're going out. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Were, yeah. For the evening. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. evening. You know, especially when after parents divorce, uh, mom, oh, yeah, you suddenly, yeah. her life, you know, livelihood. Um, so now it, it is that like, I want to come see you and she'll want to come see me and then she'll come and go, I make too much effort. Like, it's this weird. She doesn't know what. What is Never right anymore? Enough. She wants to guilt and then de-guilt. You can't de-guilt. It doesn't no. work. So you overcompensate. Going, do whatever you want. Don't call me for two weeks. It's fine. Sure. And de- I, de-guilting, though, is confusing. So well, that's then, what I'm saying. I'd rather actually, just keep consistent and yeah. just keep guilting so I can yeah. not put those boundaries up and, and right. weep inside. But now it's like... Because de-guilting actually leads to more guilt on your part. It, well, then it puts it on me. That's right. Exactly. When she yeah. guilts, I can be like, oh, she's such a, you know, ugh, my yeah. mouth with the guilt trips. But suddenly she's like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. You have fun. Go do your thing. And I'm like, well, no, mom, then I don't want to do that. Then you're like, oh my God, that. what's happened? Do you I'll have come cancer? see you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or don't you love me? Anymore? Don't yeah. you want me? Like yeah. oh. when it's not codependent, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. No, what yeah. do you do? Then it's on you to get healthy. It's exactly. Horrible. And that is horrible. Yeah, when you have to take and responsibility. And I started therapy again, actually. You I did? I haven't been in years. I went, I always, it always ends badly with these therapists. It really does. Yeah. Last guy I went to, I, he ended up, you know, he ends up criticizing me more than I criticized myself. How long were you with him? How long was I with him? Probably six months. Uh-huh. Um, older guy. Yeah. Um, nice man. Yeah. It always starts out positive yeah. and loving, and then it ends up like, look at you. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I'm like, how did these guys end up being critical? This doesn't seem intuitive. So now I have this Israeli woman in New York mm-hmm. who I thought would be like, oh, she gets me. Mm-hmm. I felt horrible after last time. We Skype session because she's in New York. You so do. So eight in the morning, and I'm in my bed looking crusty, and she's, right. I think she's emailing other people while she's doing the session. Oh, I can see gonna... her eyes darting around and her phone. I'm like, I can see you. <laughs> you're picking up your phone. I hear the iPhone ding, you know, putting in the passcode. I can see things moving. Um, but she's also like, get over like get over it already. I'm like, wow, what happened to love and understanding? Isn't that what? Just It's just tough love, huh? But it's not, I don't know about, tough love I feel is an oxymoron. I'm sorry. Of course it is. Well, I don't that's need a, tough the beauty love. Of it. Just, just abuse me or love me. I don't need the tough love. Like that's the same as de-guilting. Yeah. You know, it's just not right. Well, I think when it comes right down to it, if they're not just facilitating your, you know, kind of whining, yeah. Like I think there's something more honest about saying, uh, you know, just get over it. Because the fact of the matter is, is most people, 
don't listen to other people. Yes. And they're going to do whatever the hell they're going to do. And either they're going to figure it out or they're not. Yeah. And then occasionally you get some wisdom that changes your mind. Yeah, it's sort of like doing a show, like you like you said, when you do a show in East LA or you do a show for a room full of people that's not paying attention, that there is the possibility that someone will come out of that show with a heightened awareness yes. or at least something that'll change their mind a little bit and make them see something differently. I mean, whether or not a therapist can do that, I don't know. It seems to me that a lot of therapists create a relationship with you that is either healthy or, or maybe it's it not healthy. It can be just as codependent. I think that people are like, what would my therapist want me to do? I mean, I think that you have the therapists that give advice and those that don't give advice and like, find your own way. And I'm like, well, tell me what the fuck to do. They just guide you through you know? this like swamp, that, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily help you. I mean, I had a therapist once. I've, I, there are different points in my life where people have said things, like literally like poetic, poetic things right. that I can remember that somehow affected the way I see everything. Yeah. that That is possible. Yes. No, I had a break with old guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He, uh, he introduced me to a concept called repetition compulsion. Now, I initially thought that you just, that, what does that mean? You end up doing, repeating your behaviors, mm -hmm. right? But it's actually repeating your behaviors in order to, you think you're going to change the outcome. So it's like, let's say you're in an abusive relationship. You keep going into abuse because you think that you'll get better at it. Right. As opposed to just going in because you want to be abused. It's no, it's like, no, I'll get better at being abused or I'll, I won't take it this time. I'll win this time. I'll win this time. You're changing, trying to change history. Instead of just changing the behavior and not getting into an abusive relationship. So that was a concept that was like, oh, interesting. So I think that, yeah, awareness, a cerebral awareness rarely affects the emotional, the gut emotional response, but it does help curb the actions based on that emotional response. Well, you know that's I mean? that, that's that old adage. I think it's a, I don't know where it came from. I've heard it in the, uh, in the recovery parlance, which is uh, if you repeat something over and over again and expect different results. That's insanity, right? right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But you think that um, but what, you have that, control little... over it. I don't think that's true either. I mean, it depends how you, if you act differently in the in situation. But I don't but know. But people are different and, you know, the 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 results are not always the same if you're with a different person. I mean, emotionally, right. you may be hitting a wall. Yeah. You're not breaking through. Right. Like a yeah. therapist once, to say, once said to me, uh, there's no such thing as boredom, only fear. Oh, Which boy. I I yeah. never I never let that one go. Yeah, I, mean, I think we, the minute people speak in like sayings and phrases, you automatically endow them with truth. But a lot of sayings and phrases are are just bullshit. No, that's true. But you know? like, but that thing, like you know, it's sort of only fear. Okay, it blossomed in my mind right. that if you're literally, if I'm sitting in this room, yeah. you look around this room, and I'm like, I'm bored. I'm like, no, you're just paralyzed with something. I mean, you, what, right. what What's is stopping? boredom? Right. Yeah. Right. What's stopping you? Well, I think that people that aren't motivated are afraid. Sure. So I agree with that. Yeah. You know, it's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ruin that. I think now I'm, no, you, you I'm, I'm taking it, it in, and no, I, I don't take it away from you. Um, but for therapy, for me, I can do like a couple of sessions, and I stop because I feel like I'm I'm always happier when I'm not in therapy. I just did a fucking four hour psychiatric evaluation. See, that's horrible. And the guy literally said to me, "I don't know if you're ready for this," and what I haven't gone back. What <laughs> I guess four I'm... hours? But that's I mean that's that's crazy. No, it was it was a specific type of uh, of therapy. Is it Freudian kind of thing. No, or? okay. But but he just wanted an assessment, so I did two hours one day, and then two hours. <laughs> another day um and uh, you know he said that we could help you here and he laid out what 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 it would take right and you're like yeah. and, and, he, and he at some point he said you don't seem quite ready and, and i'm like i don't know why you say that oh that's have you been in aa were you a... no no yeah I, I do aa you do yeah. aa i mean i've had 11 years like, sober you like that well, yeah, I mean, so it's necessary. I mean, it's necessary in the sense that, look, there's a million ways that people can get sober. Yeah, yeah. And there's a million ways to criticize AA. And, you know, I shouldn't even really be talking about it. But the truth of the matter is, is that not unlike any 
uh, support program. There are tools that you can make your own and, and, and you know, and, and help yeah. your life. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm no fanatic. Right. And, and well, I've, the minute anything becomes a, a mantra or you try to spell, yeah, of course, you take it. Yeah, but, you but take even what works that, for you and, yeah. Right. Some people do that. But if you need to become a fanatic and you're not hurting other people, yes. then uh, so be you it. You might as well be addicted to something good. I think that yeah, you replace I mean, one you addiction do? with another. At least it's that and it's not another Look, you know, the weird, the weird thing is we're just fucking humans. Yeah. And, you know, and life is short and there's a, it's a very short menu on how you destroy that life. Yeah. You know, and how you're going to temper those things right. is, is your thing. And yeah. I, I mean, it becomes very hard to judge people. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think whatever works for people, except when people like doing the landmark forum want me to go in there. That <laughs> yeah, to I, me, I, I'm I, like, if that helps you. I got that too recently. Tov, but please. And like, you're just afraid. I'm like, well, maybe I'm not interested. No, that's the thing that drives me insane. They're yeah, volunteering. But, 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 you know, there's a point where you're like, I am afraid. Listen to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, go, they have these things. I go, I go, why are you volunteering, you know, in this billion-dollar corporation? They're like, well, it's more gratifying when you volunteer. I said, well, go volunteer at a children's hospital. That's gratifying. Right, go Don't feed volunteer. the homeless people. Yeah, yeah that, volunteer that way. Don't volunteer giving these works. You know, it's, I, I'm obsessed with brainwashing. I think it's fascinating. And I, I went online and did research on all that Scientology and the forum and all these organizations. Oh, yeah? and, um, and there was a group of grad students that went undercover to a bunch of these weekends. And, they, you know, they all went undercover. And they were supposed to report back. They went to different ones all across the country. And they came back and they gave a play-by-play because nobody will ever tell you what goes on unless you do it. And they gave a play-by-play and... All, all, I think it was 12 people yeah. from four to six, nobody remembered what happened. And I'm like, wow. Because I think that you get, you know, there's like, you know, there's faces where you're so drained emotionally and they're probably in this quiet room and you kind of get hypnotized a little bit. Sure. Yeah, you know we all I mean? get hypnotized by something. Yeah. So four to six was like this dark hour, uh-huh. you know? Oh, yeah. But, well, that is a weird time because yeah, you're kind of tired. <laughs> exactly. You've done your, eaten. You've the been... first couple cycles, you yes. know, you're up and then there's lunch. Yes. And that's nap time. It is nap time. So this they is keep where you up during nap through. time. Yeah. <laughs> But look, it saved my friend's marriage. So I don't, again, I don't judge whatever works, whatever gives people integrity. I, I appreciate. I think integrity is real, you know. Yeah, but there's that weird thing where, you, like, even when you said that, save my friend's marriage, I'm like, well, we don't, we'll see. Right, oh, see. You know, <laughs> the skeptic. Yeah, yeah, wait yeah. till it breaks down. Yeah. You know, that shit, there's, <laughs> there's got to be something lurking under there. I mean, I, I go with that. But right. you, But even if there is, I mean, like, okay, so they got two years. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but you know what? I think when you have kids, it's a whole other ball game. Like, if people aren't happy in a regular marriage, I say get the hell out. But when you got kids, I don't say be miserable, but... There's really something else to work for. You know what I mean? The kids are young and they're like sure. in this cocoon and I think that they're it's a good thing they're saving it now. Even if I don't care if he's out philandering, but right. they, they comes home and there's yeah, we're a just, stable you know, environment. Right. Yeah. People are just people. I it's just like then there's that whole normal issue, like what is normal, what isn't normal? Right. It's like is there a normal? And yeah. you know, you assume that other people have these things that you don't have and then you find out like, Oh my god, you were miserable that whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh, it's, it it's, becomes a it's waste a lot. of time. Yeah, it is. Just yeah. All right. So do we solve everything? I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy. I feel comfortable not going back into therapy. This was much more oh, good. cleansing for me. Oh, good. So then yeah. we did a great Binging thing. purge, yeah. And we talked about a lot of stuff. We did. Thank you, Arise Barr. Thank you, Mark Merrill. Ooh, nice. Do you like that? Yeah. Well, I think we covered it a little bit. The lovely Arise Barr. Uh, if you're interested in Svetlana, the show, as I said at the top there, you can go to www.svetlanasworld.com every Wednesday, 8 p.m. on HDNet, S-V-E-T-L-A-N-A-S-W-O-R-L-D.com. Dig it. Are we swinging? Is it happening? WTFPod.com for all your WTF needs. Uh, if need be, you can get to everything from there. You can go to the uh, iTunes, WTF Premium. Get some of those uh, those exciting episodes that are not available anyways get the app 
The app, you can get everything. You can stream it all. Will Just Coffee. Will Just Coffee. Pow! That baba doo bop. Pow. Yeah. Shit my pants, man. I'm sorry. I'm still hung up on that. The jazz thing. Dig it. Foxwoods, comics, June. How come I don't write these dates down? June. 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Wow. Yeah. Denver. Comedy Works. June 16th through 19th. Yeah. Okay. That about does it, man. Keep swinging.